Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 16 of the We Are Speaking Podcast. During each weekly 30-minute episode, we address some of our favorite topics, including history and culture, government, education, and politics from a Black perspective. We are very glad you are joining us today. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. We offer branding and marketing services, including online training and one-on-one coaching to independent writers, creative and solo professionals, and very small business owners. As a free or paid subscriber to the We Are Speaking publication, you can access the podcast episodes through the website or on your favorite podcast player. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. My name is Pamela Hilliard-Owens, and I am one of the co-hosts of We Are Speaking, in partnership with my husband and business partner, Keith Owens, who also wrote and performed the intro and outro music for the podcast. And speaking of Keith, here he is. Hi, Keith. Yep, good to be here again. Okay, we had a different topic on our calendar for today, but we decided to change that. We want to tell you a little bit about us, who we are. A lot of you who are our subscribers already know us, but some of you don't. And even those of you who do know us may not know everything about us. And we want to specifically talk about where we are politically. As you may have guessed from reading our posts, we are liberal Democrats and we are progressive liberal Democrats, but I consider us to be pragmatic progressives. And um, I'm going to have Keith kind of describe what a liberal is first, and then I'll get to the progressive, progressive, pragmatic progressive in a second. So Keith, what do you think a liberal is? Well, liberal is basically, people hear a lot about the term left and right, right being conservative, left being more liberal. A liberal is, I think, someone whose politics is more more concerned about social welfare. What I guess, our, even there, that's our definition of social welfare. I believe conservatives would probably view their politics as social welfare. When you talk about things, the, certain programs like we welfare programs, social you know social welfare programs. When you start talking about more uh, conscious about racial equity, you know, racial and social equity, gender equity, those sorts of things. That's that's more. Those are more liberal politics. When you start taking when the government looks after its people, I think it's more liberal politics. So the programs that were, many of the programs that were begun by Franklin Roosevelt and after that, uh, Lyndon Johnson, where their approach was oh, the government has the ability and has the responsibility to take care of uh, to take care of those who are not able to take care of themselves. And to make, when you start, when you have Social Security, the idea behind that was to make sure that when when people get to a point where they have to retire or want to retire, that there's something there for them. Right. Obviously, some people can or prefer to you know save their own money, whatever. That's fine. But the idea is to make sure that people are taken care of, right. and so a certain amount of their funds are put aside to take care of people. So I think the fundamental, one of the fundamental differences that I would say that defines liberals as opposed to conservatives. Liberals are more concerned about look viewed more as government responsibility to look out for those who can't look out for themselves, but also just to take care of the general community. It's not just it's not just uh, government for those who can't take care of themselves. It's, it's for everyone, really. It's for the best of everyone. But it's making sure that 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 there's more equity in the system. And so that that's what I would say. Exactly. And while we're talking, I'm looking up a, a quote by John F. Kennedy on what he how he describes a liberal. But liberals also, as what in, in addition to what Keith said, 
as, and this is why Republicans and conservatives seem to want to label everything the liberals want as socialism. There's a difference. First of all, they wouldn't know socialism if it smacked <laughs> real socialism, if it smacked it, them upside the head. But there's a difference between socialism and social programs. And so that's very important to realize. I put something on uh, LinkedIn the other day, a, so a socialism not really socialism, but a social program is the fire, your local fire department coming to your house to put out the fire in your house. No questions asked. They don't, they don't care who you are. They don't care anything about your politics. But then a week later, you write to your insurance company, the insurance company to which you have been paying premiums for years and looking for some insurance payout. And the insurance company decides not to, decides to reject your claim because it would cost them money, it wouldn't be profitable for them and their shareholders. That to me is capitalism. And that's the same thing that happened with the health insurance. That's the same thing that's happening with the health insurance. When the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, passed, it did it it was much, much better and is much, much better than what we had, but it's still insurance based. Mm -hmm. And so and but so liberals and liberals were very glad that it passed because it was so much better than what we had. But it didn't go far enough. Progressives want what's called Medicare for all. That means everyone who needs it gets full health care coverage from cradle to grave without having to pay anything extra. And this is one of the things that Obama really wanted because we don't have a health care system. We have a sick care system. And he was saying, President Obama was saying, with something more useful in the healthcare system would be something that would help people before they get sick. The thing that the thing that happens today is that especially people who don't have any other kind of insurance, they wait until the absolute last second to get care for themselves because it costs money. And then they end up in the in the emergency room, which costs all of us, including the hospitals, more money, and it's usually too late. If they had insurance that in, if they had a healthcare system, I should say, mm -hmm. that encouraged them to get to the hospital, that get to the hospital, get to a doctor, I should say. Mm -hmm early, then that would be much easier all the way around. And and so Medicare for all is a progressive policy that they've been, they, the far left mm -hmm. progressives, have been tr pushing for for years. Keith, give me, give us a little bit hi of history of how you became a Democrat, whether you realized it or not. <laughs> oh, my mother. <laughs> I think I say that jokingly, but also true. I come from a family of Democrats, same thing as Pam. I think so. I was the way I was raised, my mother was uh, same thing as Pam's mother. My mother was very involved politically, more so than my father. Also, although my father was definitely involved, voted and was uh, knew the importance of being involved, voting in, in politics. But and both of them were Democrats. My mother was in with the League of Women Voters, very active. I was very a involved in politics. Um, used to joke all the time that whenever I go back home to visit my mother when I was older, we couldn't watch anything but the news channel. There was nothing else to be watched. The more liberal news, MSNBC, etc. But I saw. So my I came up not um, hearing those views of of what was a Democrat, everything from and learning about the policy. Whether it was John, you know John F. Kennedy, the Lyndon Johnson, and I think the thing that was instilled in me is once I began to hear my parents talking, get more discussions, and then kind of bounce it off in what I heard from school. Then that put a spark in me to start looking into things for myself. My parents had a huge library at home. So I, I read about everything, you know, to, you know, to, you know Malcolm X to Martin Luther King to uh, the po political figures. I, mean, I remember when I first started really enjoying reading 
U.S. News and World Report because they used to just sit around the house. And so I would read those for news. And then that made me get more interested in reading newspapers. But the short, short answer is it really did come from my family. The more that I read, the more that I followed what my, what my parents did, particularly my mother and what her interest was. And then I developed my own point of view. I think I was probably more farther to the left to my mom and my dad for different reasons, but, but still respected where they came from and, and never veered from the Democrat part. Right. And so that, yeah, that's where that came from. Okay. And before I talk about my political background, I did find that quote from John oh, F. Kennedy. Yeah. He wrote it in his book, Profiles and Courage. And what he says is, if by a liberal, they mean someone who looks ahead and not behind, someone who welcomes new ideas without rigid reactions, someone who cares about the welfare of the people, their health, their housing, their schools, their jobs, their civil rights, and their civil liberties, someone who believes we can break through the stalemate and suspicions that grip us in our policies abroad, if that is what they mean by a liberal, then I am proud to say I am a liberal. And so I, I love that quote. It doesn't encompass everything, but it encompasses most things right. about what a liberal is and stands for. My political needs, without realizing I was always a Democrat, and my parents were always a Democrat, were always Democrats. And you know me, I'm, I'm, I'm the family historian. A lot of black people were originally Republicans. And I'm talking about going back two, three, and four generations. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is twofold. Abraham Lincoln was a Republican. That's the biggest reason. That's the biggest reason. And in the late 1800s, the, the Republicans were the more liberal group, the more liberal political party. The Democrats were the ones who were the racists. They were the ones who did the lynching. They were the ones who, especially after Reconstruction, took away all the blacks' rights. And that didn't change for a long, until the 30s and 40s. And then the Democrats kind of started separating about in the 40s to the Dixiecrats, who were the racist part of the Democratic Party. And the Southern rest, based. Yeah, yeah, and Southern based. And the other Democrats who were more like Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Oh, speaking of the Roosevelts, Teddy Roosevelt was a Republican and he was considered a, a progressive, and for very progressive for his time. But going back to FDR, that's when the Democrats started to split into the racist Democrats called the Dixiecrats and the quote-unquote regular Democrats who were more like FDR. And then, of course, that went on to JFK and LBJ with, with the social programs. And so, but Going back in my history, on both my on both my mother's side and my father's side, my father was an identical twin, and they were uh, raised in Fort Smith, Arkansas. And just like little boy, little kids would do, they were playing outside barefoot in the summer. And my father's twin brother stepped on a nail, a rusty nail, and got gangrene. They called, and this is talking about social programs that are supposed to do what what they called for an ambulance, and the ambulance came, but it didn't pick up black people. And my father's twin brother died from gangrene. He was only four years old because he did not get the treatment that he that would have probably saved his life if he had gotten it fast enough. On my on my mother's side of the family, my paternal my maternal grandmother, who really got me into politics, she grew up in Eufaula, Alabama. And when she was a teenager, she decided to leave the cotton fields and go to college. She went to Tuskegee Institute and, and, and majored in journalism. Because she had the nerve to leave the cotton fields and go to college, there were crosses burned on her, on, on her family's lawn. I mean, this was back in the early 19-teens. And then in, the, in 1934, she lost a child in a very similar way. My mother's older sister was, this was in 1934 because my mother was 10 and her older sister was 13, my aunt Eleanor. And she was playing basketball in school, got hit in the head with a basketball, which today would be a minor concussion. 
but they would not admit her to the White Hospital in East Chicago, Indiana, which is where they lived at the time. By the time, you know, in those days, uh, matter of fact, I, I guess it was good that my parents had a car. A lot of people didn't have cars in those days. But my grandfather had a car. They had to put her back in the car and try to drive the 30 miles to the black hospital in Chicago. And it took a whole lot longer to go 30 miles in those days than it did, than it does today. First of all, they shouldn't have had to do that. But she died in the car trying to get her, trying to get them to a black hospital, the black hospital in Chicago. So when I talk about racial things that happened to my family on both sides, things that should not have happened, children who should not have died. And so both my, both my parents, my father and my mother, were very active politically. My mother more so because of her mother. I was When I was five, I go to, went to my grandmother's house after school until my parents got off work. And I remember at age five and six, Following my no, I didn't follow my grandmother. My grandmother dragged me with her, block at house after house, block after block, registering people to vote. And uh, then when we got home, I, when I finally had my toasted cheese sandwich and Fago Red Pop, then she would get on her phone, on her a black rotary phone, with a phone book that was held together by a rubber band, and dial number after number after number, calling people, getting them registered to vote, et cetera, et cetera. So she was extremely active politically. When I was a child, a very young child, I remember my father allowing me to pull the lever. Those of you of a certain age know those voting machines with the levers. Pull the lever to vote for John Kennedy for president. And so and in those days, the only way to vote was to vote in person. And the, the school where they voted was right down the street. It was a half a block away. So when my father got home from work at 5 o'clock, before we even had dinner, we walked all together as a family down to the voting booth to vote. So it was never a question of not voting for me. And then as I got older, I was just always very interested in, in the in politics. I've worked a lot with different candidates on a local, state, and national level. In the background, I would never run for office myself. But I'm one of those people who's stuffing envelopes and making calls and things like that. So I've always been um, a Democrat. I've always been a liberal Democrat. And I've always been a progressive Democrat for a lot of the progressive, well, for most of the progressive policies, I, because I think they work well. For everyone, but where where I say that we are we are pragmatic progressives is that I and I argue with progressives about this all the time. We have to realize two things. Number one, although it seems like there are a lot of us, there are not a lot of us. When you're talking about nationwide, number one, most of the, the in in general the American uh, voting population is center right. Okay, and so we have to remember that number one. When you're when you want to represent everybody, you can't shove your policies down anybody's throat, and that brings me to, to number two: is that we have we meaning liberal and liberals and progressives have to learn to work with other people, and a lot of people say that uh, Biden is a sellout because all of his years in the Senate, he's got this bipartisan thing stuck in his mind, and that is partially true, <laughs> especially with today's Republicans who are not like yesterday's Republicans. So that he needs to fight harder and stop thinking you can work with the Republicans. And especially these, these newest Republicans since 2010, they're almost impossible to work with. But on the other hand, when you are a candidate, especially the higher up you go, when you become a senator or a congressperson or a president, you have to have people working with you and under you in the state and local level. A lot of people, especially very, very progressive people, oh, this person is the right person and we have to vote for this person or we're not going to vote at all. And without realizing that that person may not be the right, he might, he or she might have great ideas, but they don't know how to work with people. Not only do they not know how to work with people, but they don't have anybody behind them.
Well, I think that's the thing that people really need to pay close attention to. And I know some of my close friends, for example, with, with Bernie, who I really, I, I thought had a lot of good ideas. You know, but I think, and, I, and I, I don't think it's a problem calling him out there because I think it's, because that's where the difference becomes. You mm-hmm. know, I think when you have, the, you know, the, the, the far left progressive, like Pam talked about, about the difference between the pragmatic progressive and liberal progressive. And I think pragmatic means essentially we need we particularly in times like these i think what for what we consider ourselves as pragmatic progressives i believe why that's important is because we need to win and if you're talking about what i believe and what we believe a lot of what my far left friends believe is the same thing i believe it's not a matter of them being that much further left than me. Mm-hmm. There are people that I mean, I'm pretty far left in my beliefs in terms of the way things ought to be. But when you're talking about, number one, the, President Biden, number one, he's the president that we've got. Mm-hmm. Number two, I, I do think he's a good president. It's not just that we're stuck with him. I mean, he's, right. he's not being, he's, I mean, he, the many accomplishments that he's made just aren't getting trumpeted or people just brushing by him like they don't mean anything. Right. But the other thing is that we're, we're in a situation now immediately coming up in a matter of weeks where if we do not prevail and it's and the public common wisdom says that we won't Mm -hmm. now that would mean we accept that but pretty much everywhere you hear nobody can quite see how we hold the house and the senate at this point they just that the the common wisdom whatever else you want to call it but we can't sit still for that because the if, if we start arguing about who's not authentic enough or who's not left enough or who's not far left enough and that even applies to somebody I can't stand mansion mm-hmm. it's i mean and others but if we we we're not just losing a position see what happens is there's too many of those my friends and others who were purists for, for purists that's the term mm-hmm. purists the, the term becomes well if we don't get if we don't have all the marbles then basically we go home because we said, well, it's not worth it if we can't get the candidate that we want if who doesn't have all these positions. And it's number one, if that whatever, if your candidate cannot get cannot get these positions over the finish line, it doesn't matter. Exactly. And if you get the when you get somebody who is to the far left, it is guaranteed, guaranteed they will not get them over the finish line right. because there are too many votes. Like Pam said, I mean, Demo- Demo- lone Republicans, right. but even Democrats, you know, who come from states who represent people right. who are center right, mm-hmm. you know, and that's pretty much the, the center of the entire country. Right. So the, the, you, so you have to figure out how do you get these positions done? How do you make it happen? How mm-hmm. do you get people elected? And our, and our goal right now is to get. Yes, we want progressive Democrats, the best Democrats we can get. Whether and we don't need a whole lot more mansions, that's absolutely yeah. true. But we also need we need numbers. Right. And if we start saying, well, we're just we're so depressed because Biden's not doing enough. We need to remember, and, and Pam has brought this up a number of times, what happened in 2010. Mm-hmm. Because too many people who called themselves progressives got upset, stayed at home, and now we're sitting up here with with you know, with the Supreme Court. That's too too far right, and 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 it's gone too far because we're not understanding the way the country works, and they're willing to negotiate. And the the point is, is that you in in the in the game of politics, winning never means you win everything. Right, and I want to and it was I want to point out because a lot of people don't either forgot or don't realize so many of the programs that FDR put into place, including giving people jobs to go out in the rural areas to bring electricity to the mm-hmm. farms in the 30s they didn't have electricity that was called social that was called socialism right. it, it was and a right. lot of the programs the social programs social, and and Lyndon Johnson they were all called socialism because they 
because they were meant to help other people and would have cost businesses money. That's the point. But the thing about FDR and LBJ, both of them had enough Senate majority to get these things passed. Biden does not have that. Biden does not not have that. And if you look at what the House Democrats under Nancy Pelosi have have passed in the House, that's almost everything progressive wants. But it it dies in the Senate. And so instead of saying, I'm not going to vote because Biden didn't do this and Biden didn't do that, that's exactly what happened in 2010. Mm -hmm. Number one, Barack Obama was a center left, just like Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. He was not a progressive. He never pretended to be a progressive. And as a matter of fact, he wasn't even for marriage equality right. until Joe Biden and his daughters talked him into No, until his own daughters talked That's him into it. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, Joe Biden and Obama's yeah, daughters. Right, That's right, what I right, meant. Right, right. I talked him into it. He was, so he never, he never, he never um, pretended to be a progressive, right. but he was a liberal. Same with Bill Clinton. He never pretended to be, a, and he, he, Bill Clinton was even more centrist than Barack oh, Obama. Oh, very much. Very, very much so. Gore, very much so. So, but sometimes a centrist who leans progressive can get elected. A true progressive will never get, like Bernie, will never get elected. Elizabeth Warren. And she Elizabeth, was oh, oh, she was my she number was, one choice. She was my choice. candidate. She was she my was number my one candidate. choice. Yeah. But it was hard, not only was she a woman, it was hard enough to get a woman, especially after what happened to Hillary. Because So that's one of the things when, at, at the at, after Joe lost Iowa, I think he lost Iowa, who was the next The next one he lost? Well, he lost New, all, ha- he wrote, he lost New, New Hampshire. Yeah, and when you looked at Barack Obama's face, because I think Bernie won Iowa. Bernie's an independent. He's not a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And I think he came in first or second in, in New Hampshire. And I, yeah. and I can't remember, but I do remember so clearly seeing Barack Obama's face because he knew what would happen if Bernie won the Democratic nomination. He knew what would happen. And so did Jim Clyburn. Everybody jumps on Jim Clyburn for jumping in and getting behind, just before the South Carolina primary, getting behind Joe Biden when there were uh, progressives like Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg. I can never pronounce his name correctly. And others who were more progressive. And when he did that, all the progressive candidates immediately coalesced behind Joe Biden mm-hmm. because they realized Joe Biden could get elected. That's right. Okay. And Elizabeth Warren could not get elected as much as as much as Kamala Harris could not get elected. Pete Booted, and one day I'm gonna learn how to pronounce his Buttigieg. name. Yeah, Booth I could just call him Secretary mm-hmm. Pete. He's one of my favorites. He is so he's very progressive. He's so smart. He has all of the qualifications to be president, but you tell the rest of you know, sixty fifty five percent of this country we're gonna have a gay president with a husband. Right. See how see to see how how far that'll mm-hmm. get you. So what we wanted to say is that what we wanted you to understand about us is two things. Number one, we are very liberal, we are very progressive, but we are pragmatic. Number I one. Remember two about real quick about what Clyburn did. Two things. One, even Clyburn, what Clyburn's wife had to convince him. Right. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long before she died because he he wasn't sure. Right. About exactly. getting behind exactly. Biden. But his wife told him, "You better get behind Biden." Mm-hmm. And his daughters. Right. Right. Told him to get and that's one thing. The other thing is, is that because, as you pointed out, many progressives are are get mad at Clyburn and whoever else about you know you, we almost had Bernie and then you shifted things to to Biden and so we could have had Bernie. But and the point the point is is that number one, I don't know if that's guaranteed, but but secondly. But even had had that happened, had that had Biden lost that, and then the nomination had gone to, well, that's not the point I want to make. The point I want to make is is that you're giving Clyburn too much power. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. what they don't want to face is that. 
people heard the wisdom of the argument. Right. You know, right. Clyburn did. This is not. This is not fascism. Clyburn did not say you must all now go to Biden and vote Biden, mm -hmm. and they and they dutifully did so because right. they, they they had a choice. Right. They could have. They they could have looked. But yes, he's he has weight. He has respect. Mm -hmm. But it does, if people had said we like you, but we still want Bernie, right. it, wouldn't he, have, yeah. it wouldn't have happened. So the, the other candidates could have stayed in the race. Could've, they could've, made the decision. Right. They, that's, that's what I said. The, the voters made the decision. But all the other mm -hmm. candidates made the decision because right. after he came out for for Biden, all the other candidates like like Pete mm -hmm. and and Elizabeth and all the other mm -hmm. ones who were kind of stumbling along, but they could have stayed in the race a few more oh, primaries. Right. No, that's true. They also get credit. You right. Know, but I want I still put more credit with people. Right, exactly. You exactly. know, cuz exactly. even if the candidates step aside, people could have stepped they none of them had the had, all the ones that stepped aside, none of them had the weight that Bernie did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. Bernie was ahead of all of them. And and so people could have still said, regard said, that's nice, but we still want Bernie, right? And right, but right. they didn't. Mm -hmm. they so it's like don't don't get mad. And Cl Clyburn did what anybody else has a right to. Right. He has a right to speak his mind and say, this is what I think we need to do. Right. right. And he has. It's not. It's not a fault that people respect him. Right. They respect him because he, he makes sense. And and, and this and this also brings back oh, yeah we're getting, we're getting to the end of we want to have to talk about this some mm -hmm. more when you talk about I've heard so many people say these people are in their seventies and eighties and they're too old blah 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 and number one that's ageism but number two there's you also have to respect their experience Clyburn being a congressperson has to run every right. two years and so if we the, hadn't had Nancy. Right, and, and and if we haven't had hadn't had when Nancy, they were, when they were trying to remove Nancy, they we were trying to remove she, Nancy. That was uh, that would have been a huge. She is she she and Clyburn work well together because Nancy is a speaker. She doesn't bring anything to a vote until she knows she has the votes. Number one, number two, that's Clyburn's job. That's why it's called the minority whip. I mean, the majority whip. It's the majority whip now because that person's job is to whip the votes, and so. When you look at, excuse me, when you look at what the House has passed versus what dies in the Senate, you'll see that they aren't doing, you know, very, very badly. But then look at, look, then look at the young, the youngins, we call them, coming up. Some of them are very, very good and very, very experienced. And that's fine. But you have to have something behind you besides, oh, pick me, pick me, pick right. me. Because and it, because we're looking at right now, not only Secretary Pete, who would be so great, but also Gavin Newsom mm -hmm. and Cory Booker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there are some people, some people out there in their and 40s. And who's the guy in Texas? Beto? Beto. Well, he, well, he needs to be governor to yeah. save Texas. Well, yeah, true, true. <laughs> but I'm talking about pres presidential, right, right, right. presidential people. Right. Cory Booker, Pete, Pete and, and Gavin. Mm -hmm. And of those three, Gavin is the white guy. Mm -hmm. Okay? And the white straight guy, I should straight, say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But he's very, very progressive and he's very, very smart. So we can look at those people. But the other thing I'm going to say, this one thing, stop saying we aren't even at the midterms yet. And people are trying to make Biden um, a lame duck president already. Mm -hmm. Okay, and that's, and that, and that's that, that. What we need to do is give him a Congress that will support him, which means fifty-two, but ho hopefully fifty-four and fifty-six Democrats in the Senate, and then watch things change. And if rather we, than saying I'm not going to vote because Biden didn't do this and Biden didn't do that, and the fact that. still remains, the only, the, the biggest obstacle that stands between us and getting the numbers we need is us not showing up and us not fighting. Despite, despite the common wisdom, which, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but the but the what the, the thing they're banking, that, that even the ones, the liberals and progressives who say we're, we're done, we can't make it, is because they is because the system has been baked so much, which right. is true. I mean, right. they, you know, the, the, the right wing has been... 
gerrymandering and gerrymandering and messing up this whole system. That is very true. But we can still we can still come out in enough numbers mm-hmm. and hold that thing accountable. If right. we're willing to fight and that thing, we can still get what we need. But it will be a serious fight. And and and, and Keith, and this is going to be the end. The operative word here is fight. Mm-hmm. I love the History Channel. I watch it on Sunday. They have the best shows. But when you the fighting that had to go on for for FDR's uh, things for LBJ's things to get passed, huge, huge, huge fights, huge fights, and both FDR but especially LBJ mm-hmm. knew how. Not only did they have the numbers in the Senate, but they knew how to talk to. The Senate, LBJ being such a, a southerner, he was better than all, all of them put together. together. And it, and it, and and the fact that he was a a a, a southerner, a southern southerner, gave more credibility to what he was saying. And so, and and he had been in the Congress and in the Senate yeah, he had for more years. Than he was more he had, yeah. So we have to put put all that into 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 into, into context. Yeah. So we're not we're just wanting to tell you where we are on our politics, yeah. and then I ask you again, please. This is July, the end of July. Check your registration. Check, uh, make sure that you are voting, and check everybody you, that you know, your friends and family, especially in states that where it could go either way. Right. Make sure that they get out to the polls, because or else we do not have a democracy, right. and this has never happened before. Now, at least not since the Civil War. Right. So we'll, we might come to this again, <laughs> but you, we're going to always tell the same line. Right. We are. We are Democrats, we are liberal Democrats, we are progressive Democrats, but we are pragmatic. And please vote! (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 